Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Welcome to Fro Pow. We're your host, Auden Rags. So this week, we get to interview someone we don't actually know, which is really exciting. Um, we met Merle through Misty Maven's Stop Stigma campaign. Um, so if you guys are interested in checking that out, we have an episode with her where we mm-hmm. talk loads about it. Yeah, it's called Stop Stigma Now. Uh, so if you just want to scroll back through our past episodes, it's there. You can also just go to stopstigmanow.com. Yeah, so give that a listen. So if you want some background information, that's where you can find it. But I just wanted to say that you know Merle is um, someone that we probably wouldn't have met. Um, even though he is from the roller derby world, uh, he works, ha- works in Wisconsin. Yeah, Milwaukee. That is where Merle's based. So I feel really excited that we got an opportunity to talk to him. Yeah. In this episode, you will hear Merle talk about being a musician and an entertainer and his struggle with getting over alcoholism. You will also learn about his guinea pigs because we are certainly not cutting that out of this episode. <laughs> also, I think on that note, we should point out that uh, Merle may not be seem, seem like someone that you would be interested in listening to. He is 53 and lives in Wisconsin and he is a cis man. But we promise you're going to love Merle. We're just going to start out nice and easy. Um, Why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? All right. My name is Merle Pinkins. I live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, I'm a professional musician, and I have been since the age of five years old. I play in several groups here in the Milwaukee area. Uh, I'm also the head non-skating official for the Beloit Bombshells. Um, Awesome. And I also heard that you like guinea pigs a lot. I do. I have six of them. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) That's awesome. What are their names? All right. Here we go. I have Potato, because they do, in fact, look like potatoes. Daisy, they're sisters. Uh, Rosalina, we call her baby. We have Millicent and Prudence. They are sisters. And our newest addition is Gertrude, otherwise known as the Duchess of Derpington. Oh, my God. You're missing a room full of women making amazing faces at the absolutely perfect names for guinea pigs. I just I love that so. you had a guinea pig named Potato. Well, that's my favorite one. Three of my guinea pigs were named after food. It was Twinkie, Brownie, and Oreo. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Oh, my gosh. And the Duchess. I'd, I, I would love to see pictures of her. You should send us some I'd pictures be, so we can put it up on Instagram. I'd be more than happy to send that to you. That's awesome. And so how did you get started in Derby? Did you start out with the Beloit Bombshells? 
I did not. Originally, I started with the Brew City Bruisers here in Milwaukee. And how did you get interested in Derby? I'm always interested to hear about how people who are non-skating officials get started because I feel like Derby appeals to people because they see the skaters skate and they want to do it. Well, like most people and being an older gentleman, 53 years, uh, I remember the old roller derby. And having heard that there was a revival, it obviously piqued my interest. Upon watching it, I noticed that the game was significantly different. And I went to several bouts here in the area. I became interested. A friend of mine asked if I wanted to be a non-skating official. Mm -hmm. And I said I'd love to do it. Awesome. And so um, what non-skating official uh, job do you usually fill? Uh, my well, my most favorite obviously would be uh, jam timer. Mm. So much pressure! I, I so much pressure. I, I'm a penalty track. <laughs> yeah, penalty tracker is where I'm at. It I'm feels a really keeper. <laughs> hey, do you want a fun fact about me? Absolutely. The hydro was in my van. Oh my gosh! Oh, for everybody who's going, we don't know what that is. Like our producer, that is the Wifta cup. Yeah, like right. the Stanley Cup, but for women's roller derby. Yeah. Um, you're, so you're like a very important person. It was it was at the airport, so I had to go pick <gasps> oh it up gosh. and deliver it to the venue. That's a very prestigious job. I take roller derby exceptionally serious. As you should. It's an exceptionally serious sport. And, and, oh, it is. Well, NSO, I feel like we are NSO, um, who we've actually interviewed for this podcast, Mr. Scrim. Um, she's, I mean, she's not really serious, but she's like very serious about her organization. And I feel yes. like it's a trait you have to have as an NSO. Like there's so much paperwork and so many rules and you kind of have to be this sort of like middleman for everybody. Right. But I also feel like with roller derby or women's sports, let's boil this down to women's sports. And Merle, I don't know if you're going to agree with this, but I feel like we have to portray ourselves more seriously mm. because we want to be taken seriously. Like ESPN didn't even like give us airtime and we've petitioned to have airtime with them because our sport isn't taken seriously. And so, like, NSOs take it seriously and refs take it seriously. And at the end of the day, a lot of skaters take it seriously because, like, we want to be taken seriously. We want to be considered athletes and participants and refs and, you know, non-skating officials. Like, we all are part of the game mm -hmm. and we want to be respected as such. Mm -hmm. I agree. We are. The fact that a lot of skaters are doing things on their own dime. Mm -hmm. If you have an injury, it's coming out of your insurance. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, to me, that shows dedication. And to me, it shows you take it serious. So um, now we're going to change gears a little bit and go into why we're really having this interview. Because you uh, you said to Missy Maven Stop Stigma campaign that you wanted to be on the podcast and talk about your experience with mental health. So would you, you know, talk about that a little bit with us and you know, what has your mental health journey looked like? That's a fascinating journey. Um, I mentioned that I was a musician. And for the better part of decades, I found it very easy when people would tell me that I was exceptionally good or the band was really good, that drinks would start coming my way. 
Mm-hmm. And when you start drinking, at least for myself personally, I'd be a lot more outgoing, personable. Mm. And I came to find that the party, I never wanted the party to end. Mm-hmm. So roughly 20 some odd years ago, I consciously decided on my own to quit. How did you um, end up coming to that decision? I feel like especially as if someone tries to do that on their own without provocation from like a third party, I feel like that's, it doesn't happen very often. Um, and I'm, I will wonder what that uh, looked like, at least for you. Frankly, I was just tired. I was tired of the lifestyle at that point. Um, it was obviously affecting other other parts of my life. Um, I was working full-time jobs, various ones at the time, and I wasn't able to consistently do those jobs. It was calling in sick. I was calling in late. Mm-hmm. And I just frankly got tired of that. I wanted better for myself. And it really wasn't until I came to terms with who I was really as a human being, you know, who Merle was. Mm-hmm. And then and, and then and only then was I able to reignite some of those old friendships. And I guess really a lot of people, either you accepted it or you didn't. And yeah. most people, they did. So I really found that a lot of friends were supportive. And did you find yourself having any uh, difficulty with uh, being a musician and a performer? Because you said you were trying to avoid places um, that would provide temptation. Um, I mean, maybe they just, those don't necessarily line up for you, but um, did your music career suffer any? I wouldn't say it suffered. I certainly did take some time off uh just to reevaluate why I was doing it, what I wanted to do. Uh, but, you know, when it was kind of putting my toe back in the water, so to speak, it wasn't nearly as awkward or anxious as I thought it would be. That's awesome. Um, I'm glad that that really played in your favor. Well, I hope so. It's the best I've got today, so. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Now, insofar as um, I know I had mentioned to you um anxiety issues Mm -hmm. with being a performer. And I guess I'd like to go into that briefly if I could. Oh, of course. Excellent. As you know, musicians play notes and notes are considered a language. So when I'm performing, I'm not only processing what I'm trying to do as a musician, but again, also trying, I call it either driving the bus or directing traffic. Well, really quickly, I just realized that we didn't um, talk about what instrument you play. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that and then continue on this lovely metaphor. Fabulous. I play several instruments. I started on drums when I was five. Mm-hmm. And I actually started making money, which was kind of strange. I was the little kid playing with the grown-ups. That's awesome. And... $20 to a five-year-old in 1970 made me seem like I was rich. Hmm. Yeah. And the only reason I remember this story, my mother always told everybody that I bought her some present. I don't remember what it was, but that was my first thought was her. She was the woman that told me practice for five minutes or five hours. It doesn't matter. It's up to you how you're going to advance that's something I tell people, even if I teach them now, if you don't want to play for more than two hours, that's fine. Mm -hmm. It's up to you. You're only going to be as good as you can be. And it's up to you. I can't make you good. Mm -hmm. I think that, you you know what I'm saying? I can help you, but it's like skating. 
people can give skaters instruction, but they can't do the drills for them. Yep, exactly. And if you're going to, it really breaks my heart when I see people, you know, get up and give up, uh, especially during practice and trying something new. Um, Because like you said, like you can only be as good as you like put the work in for. Well, and I also think it's important to have peers be really supportive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm working with a group right now, and um, we're struggling maybe with a specific part, and I'll look one of the guys in the eye, and I'll say, you know what, let's do this again. We can do it. And I've heard other band leaders yell at their guys, you're not doing this right. That's just going to alienate them, make them feel bad about themselves. That's not how I roll. Yeah, and do you think that attitude um, maybe comes from what you need when you're feeling anxious as a performer? Ah, that's a whole nother topic right there. I guess we've kind of like been jumping around. So let me go finish what and tell you what I play. Okay. Okay, drums. I play bass guitar currently. I play guitar, but that's mo- mainly at Christmas time. I donate my time and I go to like hospitals or nursing homes to play Christmas music, cheer people up. Mm. Um, A little piano, I sing a little bit, and that's about that. I say I play the rock instruments. After I'm done processing all that musical information, I kind of get verklempt, for lack of a better word. All this stuff is swimming in my head, and right away I'm not necessarily ready to start talking with people. I'm the guy that slips out of the club real quick into the behind the bar and you don't see me. Mm -hmm. Mm. Because I'm trying to decompress. Yeah, right. Um, And insofar as like the anxiety part of it, I really struggle with people telling me that I'm good or that the band is really good. I'm an apologist. I'll do Mm -hmm. better next time. You know, it's just how I'm wired. Yep. I've tended now to, again, not being a drinker anymore, from being an extrovert to kind of being more introverted. But when I'm on stage, I can flip the switch. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, it's like you would think I was the biggest extrovert in the entire world. But again, I don't let people in. I'll talk to you during a break or whatever, but you're only going to get small talk out of me. Mm-hmm. Unless I know you and I trust you. And that's hard. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus. During Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. And what would you say your stage personality is like? I would say it depends on what is going on. If I'm kind of 
if I'm not the person that's either singing or talking to the audience in between the songs, you know, I'm laid back. I just kind of stand in the back. I don't say much. Um, but like I said, if I'm driving the bus, then it's like, you know, that's like my personality changes. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's like a dual personality, but I, really what I think it's just I'm wired again to know that if I'm performing and I need to lead the group, I'm flipping the switch. It's like you have a role to fill. It's like you know that you're acting and because you can do this part well, you can have the confidence in continuing to do that part well. Precisely. Because that's how I felt when, you know, I used to teach karate and it's like I would be so worn out and burnt out and but like these people were relying on me to have a certain personality and present myself a certain way so it's like I had to put on an acting face and be pretend to be that person and then afterwards like I can go back to who I am Uh, yeah I agree wholeheartedly and who how would you describe like you were talking about the real Merle the real Merle is thoughtful courteous, sensitive, is not quick to pass judgment on people. Um, And I think that's really important now, especially given that um, we're discussing binary roles, Mm -hmm. um, that we, especially in Derby, have um, a lot of things going on uh, with people. You know, it's... it's changed and people get hung up on stereotypes or preconceptions. And I'm the type of person that'll tell you each and every time, I don't care what you do. It's not up to me to decide what your life is. It's so hard for me to express this. I'll do it this way. I have friends that are liberal Mm -hmm. and I'm quick to point out to them that you have to understand that people that might have descending views, they're going to have them and that's okay. And then I tell conservative friends, if somebody believes in something and that's who they are, it's not your right to question that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like just live, let other people live their lives and respect them. It doesn't mean like live my and, live and let live. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say Merle loves guinea pigs. And if you don't love guinea pigs, come on. <laughs> I just love, I don't have a guinea pig because I have a cat who would probably destroy the guinea pig, but um, I love watching them and I love the ones with long hair with all the cowlicks. Mm-hmm. I can't get enough. They're so adorable. This conversation is just going to devolve into guinea pigs. That's I was okay. going to just quickly say we have a cat and she is afraid of the giant rodents. <laughs> <laughs> I wish Nothing I could say to that about my cat. He's he's very dominant and pretends to, and he like can control dog. Your cat's an asshole. He's no, he's a huge <laughs> asshole, and he would definitely just stick the guinea pig's like head in his mouth to be really mean um, and make a point, and that would be into the end of that. Um, and I'll tell you this mm-hmm. much too: it doesn't. I don't feel any less of a man because I have guinea pigs. Again, real guys can be sensitive and caring. A lot of stereotypes and stigmas, you know, like you talk about mm-hmm. are assigned to us that aren't true. Yes. To all of us, you yep. know? Yeah. Well, like having guinea pigs means you're sensitive. That I, would, I mean, not that you're not sensitive, Merle, but I feel like that also 
<laughs> like, I'm a, I'm a sensitive person, but I have a really mean cat. You do. You have an asshole cat, and you're a sensitive person. <laughs> um, so actually, because you brought up stigmas, so that's that's our biggest thing is that we like to fight stigmas and address them and confront them and you know tell everybody who has a stigma like you're you're wrong, and here's why. What's one of your like biggest stigmas that you would like to see confronted and pushed back on? I think the biggest stigma that I would like to see pushed back on would be perhaps the lesbian and gay community and the trans community. Again, everybody is a human being doing the best job that they can and however they identify themselves as, that's okay. It's not okay to chastise them. It's not okay to ridicule them. It's okay to listen to them. It's okay to be their friend. They're not going to hurt you. No one who's lesbian, gay, or trans has ever hurt me. It's just, again, the old school adage, live and let live and do unto others. That's how I see it. I think that's great, Merle. I think also you've made two thirds of this room cry during <laughs> during your mini monologue. It was very, it was very sweet, and definitely um, we appreciate that sentiment. Considering well, most of this room identifies as all of this room identifies <laughs> all of this room identifies as part of the community. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you're surrounded by a roller derby community. I was going to say, I'm not part of the community, but you know what? Being around derby, you kind of are part of the community. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Even if you don't identify, but like the people that you're surrounded yourself with are in that community, you are part of the community, whether you're, you know, straight, but you're an ally, whatever, like. We want we want you because we just want friends and we want more <laughs> love and hugs and that's really what we want. So well, and I like to set the example. So if I see someone that is trans, you know, that might have the appearance of a guy, but is starting to show signs of being a woman, I'll be the first to shake a hand or give a hug just to show other people, hey, you know what? It's okay. Trying to get a question from our producer. Um, she wants to know what. Um, all of that is like in Wisconsin, especially considering um, all the stuff going on with your governor. Um, I'd be interested to hear about that. I would like to believe that people here in Wisconsin are open-minded. However, I would have to say that probably that's not going to always be the case. Um, we tend lately we've tended to be a very conservative state as evidenced by our former governor. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a way Wisconsin needs to go a long way that Wisconsin needs to go yet. But I certainly do believe, especially in the larger metropolitan areas, Milwaukee, Madison. Yeah. Um, there's really a good acceptance, a great, deal of acceptance and love towards members of the lesbian, gay, and trans community. It's just those little outlying cities in some of the counties that Mm -hmm. may have those old conservative values, and they have a hard time with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, even like where we are in right now, like we're in Brooklyn right now, and it's like, yeah, we're in the city, and yeah, we have a lot of people who are much more accepting 
walking down the street, but that doesn't mean that there aren't people within the city that would look at us disapprovingly, you know? You're always going to have those outliers, but it's relieving to hear that, like... Even in Wisconsin. Yeah. Even in Wisconsin, we're accepted and loved. Absolutely. Anytime you can come over and you're welcome. There'll be a cup of coffee, a piece of pie waiting for you. And guinea pigs? You can hold them all day long. Perfect. I can't wait. So, um... We're going to go back to mental health now. Uh, Please. What is your daily experience with mental health like now? I would have to say in some respects, it would be considered to be untreated. I suffer from anxiety. Mm-hmm. I suffer from depression. Mm-hmm. And I'm also bipolar. Mm-hmm. Now, I haven't been able to quite yet find a therapist um uh, that works for me. And I think that's really important to find the right fit for you. Absolutely. Um, and Merle, how has it been? I mean, or, or I guess my question is, um, what do you see your ideal treatment looking like? So I'm really curious because I have um, a few friends who are bipolar or have some other type of um, like neurological Uh, mental health issue and they've been treating it with a lot of different alternative things other than medication but I think I mean I'm trained as a social worker and all we talked about in treatment for um, bipolar disorder is um, mood stabilizer so I'm always just curious to see what people ideally want um, in terms of treatment uh, with things like your mental illnesses. That's a great question. I don't know that I have a great answer for that because I may not be qualified to not only understand my mental health, let alone a potential treatment for it. Mm-hmm. And at the same rate, anyone who's outside mm-hmm. of me may not fully understand or be able to treat me as well. There's the problem. So... I guess what I would like Mm -hmm. would be a good therapist that I can talk about things that have been going on or whatnot. Yeah, what a therapist Uh, is for. They're surprisingly hard to find. Yeah, surprisingly hard to find. I will tell you that I am pro-legalization of cannabis, as I believe it would help a lot of people. Yeah. um, That's a tricky topic. I get Oh, no, no, no. We, I, you're in a room full of people who are also very much in support of legalizing cannabis. We literally had a whole conversation about it, like, just before we called you. Oh, crazy. Go figure. Um, so, Merle, that is the end of all um, our questions. Do you have anything else that you want to talk about before we finish up? Oh, not that I really, really can think of. Um, I'm proud to do what I do. For women's roller derby, I am I never am failed to be impressed by the athleticism, um, the camaraderie, and just just the movement itself. It's very powerful, unique, and I'm glad to play a very small part. And- it feels like my safe space because. It's like, even though I'm Captain Safety and people know who Captain Safety is, it gives me a veil of anonymity in a way that I don't have as a musician. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like your superhero identity. 
uh, I don't know that I would ever go that far. But like I said, I'm playing a small part in a greater thing. And that to me gives me the warm fuzzies. That's really good. Thanks. I'm glad that you have something that does that for you. Yeah, we really appreciate you, Merle, and taking the time out of your schedule to talk to us. Yeah. My pleasure. All I have to do is clean up some guinea pig poop and feed them some vegetables. <laughs> You're They're living the poop dream. They're little factories, I tell you. <laughs> Merle, thank you so much, really, for taking the time and also sharing um, your lovely guinea pigs with us. I'd like to tell you, too, um, you do have my email address. Yes. You may feel free to share that. So if anyone would like to talk to me, or just get something off their chest. They can't talk to anyone else. I'm more than happy to listen. Perfect. We'll make sure to include I don't give advice. That. I listen. That's what that's I do. That's exactly what you should do. Honestly, that's the best thing you can do for anybody. Yeah. Just listen. And love. Give a hug if, you, if they need one. Yeah. So thanks for listening to our interview with Merle or Captain Safety. Uh, during the interview, you may have noticed that he has offered to uh, talk and be, or, you know, rather be an ear to listen. If you would like to reach out to Merle, you will need to reach out to us first for, you know, matter of safety and also privacy. Because, uh, you know, we like Merle a lot and we like his guinea pigs a lot. So reach out to us first and we will direct you to Merle. Um, and how can you get in touch with us? Uh, well, you can reach us on Facebook or Instagram at Frau Podcast. You can email us at Podcast at gmail.com. We will not be on Twitter. Twitter is for outdated politicians. Anyway, remember, friends, don't, don't be a dick. dick.